Blog Talk Radio. Tonight on Family Medicine Rocks episode number nine, coming up in just a few minutes, will be Hybrid Medic from Twitter, also hybridmedic.com. Russell Stein live from Memphis, Tennessee, paramedic and firefighter. He reached out to me eh, maybe about a few weeks ago wanted to share a story with me, which he'll share with all of you, particularly when it comes to how his family doctor, how his primary care doctor has affected his life, especially right now. I know, very exciting. So we'll talk about that and, you know, maybe some fun stuff too, maybe some some good times from EMS Expo uh, in Baltimore and some of the other things. Uh, So we'll talk about that all. Coming up in just a little bit on the uh, Family Medicine Rocks podcast, starting right now. Hi, this is Kevin Bernstein, MD Student 31 on Twitter, and I listen to Family Medicine Rocks with Mike Sevilla. that is passionate about medicine and social media. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, live on a Saturday night. That's right, Saturday night. I haven't done a Saturday night show here in a while. I am your host, the friendly family physician, and also the Morganda Philway of the medical blog series. I don't know what that is. You haven't been watching these today. Google it. You'll figure it out. My name is Mike Savella family physician, and social media enthusiast, and also have an announcement here tonight as well. Yes, I am not running for President of the United States as well. just wanted to get that off my chest at the very top of the show. What is this show about? I get that question a lot. What I tell people, this is uh, social media through the eyes of a family physician. Check out our website at familymedicinerocks.com. Dot com. Also join us on Twitter and Facebook. Shout out to all 165 people who are following us on Facebook and also all 6,212 people following me on Twitter. Why? I have no idea, but I very much appreciate that. You can also listen in real time to this show on your mobile device, including your iPhone, Droid, BlackBerry, Windows 7. Just direct your mobile browser to blogtalkradio.com slash famedrocks. Today is Saturday, May 14, 2011. It is 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central, and it feels like 65 degrees Fahrenheit. It is stormy here. There's thunderstorms going on right now, so if the phone line drops off during the course of the show, that is what's happening. Coming up in a little bit uh, will be uh, Russell Stein from uh, hybridmedic.com, hybridmedic on Twitter. 
And uh, he called into the uh, New Year's Eve show. That was a good time. I encourage you to uh, check out the uh, New Year's Eve show. I can't believe that it's already May. And that show has been five and a half months ago. But that was a good time. And uh, Russell called in for that show there right before midnight, I believe. And uh, uh, it was a good time. So check that out. And I also met him in person at uh, one of the big EMS conferences of the year, EMS Expo. Um, in Baltimore, and we got to chat a little bit. And uh, good guy, good guy. You'll uh, you'll uh, you'll know that uh, when uh, we start our uh, conversation uh, in a little bit here. I also want to uh, let people know about uh, next week's show. Uh, very excited about it as well. It will be uh, Thursday, uh, May 19, 2011. Um, I haven't decided what time it'll be yet. It'll either be at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern or 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and you'll get more information at familymedicinerocks.com. My guess will be uh, we recorded the interview today. It will be Dr. Jay Lee, who was uh, on this show um, in the past. And uh, he, uh, we had our chat today. He was uh, uh, calling in, or I was calling him, um, out at the uh, California Academy of Family Physicians uh, Annual Scientific Assembly. And uh, he had uh, a few minutes to uh, chat in between uh, his many meetings and networking opportunities. We had a great conversation to talk about just the past 10 days when it comes to uh, family medicine and uh, social media. There's been a lot going on um, in that uh, realm out there. So uh, you can go to familymedicinerocks.com and the get into all that. We talked about social media. We talked about advocacy. We talked about uh, the uh, new uh, Family Medicine Revolution website, uh, familymedicinerevolution.org, and you can get more information there. And uh, so tune in this coming Thursday, um, which I think will be right before uh, the uh, FamMed chat um, on Twitter. So that'll be a good time. Uh, but first, I do want to thank Blog Talk Radio for featuring the show here again uh, this evening on the uh, front page. Um, I've been a uh, social media hobbyist since uh, 2005, and uh, if you're curious, yes, of course, I am a real doctor. I am a family physician in full-time private practice here in beautiful but stormy northeastern Ohio. And usually when you're uh, listening live here, you can see my face on the webcam here, the uh, Blog Talk Radio interface is not uh, cooperating with me here tonight, so there will be no webcam. I'm sorry about that. Or probably you're thankful about that. <laughs> um, so before we go to the break here, I do want to uh, give a little bit of a shout-out here to uh, one of my other uh, favorite podcasts. Uh, there is the uh, EMS uh, Newbie uh, podcast, and uh, they're having a contest for anybody out there um, who is a newbie in the EMS um, arena. They are having a contest for people to go out to the uh, huge EMS uh, uh, World uh, Conference coming up uh, this fall uh, in uh, Las Vegas. And I have a little promo there, and uh, people are curious about it. Here is the promo. And if you're a newbie, Enter this uh, contest. It's a good time. Bright light city, gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. 
This is Ron and Kelly from Confessions of an EMS Newbie, and we have a new contest for our listeners. Kelly, can you tell them about the contest? It's an essay contest for our EMS newbie listeners, EMT students or EMTs with less than two years experience in the field, where you'll write a four to six hundred word essay on the EMS newbie and the social media revolution. We've got some pretty cool prizes. Ron, why don't you tell them what they are? That's right. You will get one all expenses paid trip to Las Vegas for the EMS world. This trip includes hotel, airfare, and entrance to the conference. But that's not all. You also get to shadow Dr. Brian Bledsoe, the man who literally wrote the book on paramedic care and witnessed the kind of trauma that you'll only find in a level one trauma center in Las Vegas. What happens in Vegas, you will get to see. But most importantly, you will get to meet us and be on Confessions of an EMS Newbie's live show from the podcasting studio at EMS World. And if you want to find out more information about that, go to emsnewbie.com slash Vegas, baby. And yes, I'm very jealous about that. <laughs> um, I believe that conference is at the end of August and beginning of September, I believe. So good luck to all you newbies out there. So coming up right after the break here uh, will be our guest, Hybrid Medic, coming up on the show. You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast in partnership with the Family Medicine Education Consortium. You can get there by going to fmec.net. And also a member of the ProMed Network a podcast, you can get there by going to promednetwork.com. We'll be right back. Family Medicine through the eyes of a family physician. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. And before we bring in our guests here, I want to give a big shout-out to the people in our chat room here. We do have uh, Richmond Doc, and I believe you have a couple other people coming in. If you're waiting to come into this Block Talk Radio chat room, be very patient because this interface can get kind of wonky sometimes. So uh, uh, on the line with us, we have uh, right now, I just talked to him, but uh, we're going to be uh, chatting again. I'm very looking forward to this uh, again. Uh, Russell Stein from Memphis, Tennessee, also known as Hybrid Medic. Welcome to the show there, my friend. Hello. Hey, this uh, the Skype thing is, uh, is pretty cool. You sound, uh, sound pretty good. You're using the Skype? Uh, yes. I'm actually uh, I'm actually using my headset this time. It, was, uh, it died while... Uh, uh, before we did the video, but it worked out better because I look better without a big thing on my head. <laughs> all, right, all right. And just to tease uh, people here a little bit, so yeah, we did do a uh, a YouTube uh, video here, and uh, I will be putting that on my uh, YouTube page coming up uh, probably this week if I can help and edit it out. So. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, coming on the show here. So uh, as I said, uh, you're from uh, Memphis, 
And right. uh, Memphis has been in the news uh, recently here with the whole uh, Mississippi River and the rising waters and stuff. Are, are you uh, located or were you located anywhere to that area where they were flooding in Memphis? Oh no, I am far to the uh, I am far to the east of it. So, I uh, um, my response territory where I where I'm stationed at, they have a little bit of flooding, but not a whole lot. So, yeah, I'm pretty safe. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, so uh, as we kind of get started out here, um, something that was uh, curious to me, we, we've met uh, in person and also on social media first, of course. Um, but uh, you are a, a paramedic and a firefighter or firefighter and paramedic, however order you want to put that, uh, which kind of adds a little bit to your story there. But uh, uh, my first question is, uh, you know, how did you come to, to, to become a firefighter and, and a paramedic? Um, that sounds like an interesting combination. Well, uh, well, I've always wanted to be a firefighter, uh, and paramedic kind of got rolled into it. Uh, when I was five years old, I remember a conversation I had with somebody that taught CPR with my dad, who was a firefighter in uh, in my hometown in Xenia, Ohio. And, uh, yeah, Ohio. And, uh, That's right, man. <laughs> and uh, so I remember him saying, you know, that they had like a, a fire explorer program. So, you know, fast forward uh about ten years and I was uh I was going up there to uh to join that. And I learned very quickly that uh that the the ambulance portion of the job was uh was the predominant part. And particularly in in small town, you know, it's mainly just medical emergencies that they handle. So uh I got an introduction to uh to ambulance operations very quickly. And then, you know, I kind of went away to college. Uh, I went to college at Oklahoma State uh, for four years, and they offered a paramed- uh, not a paramedic, but an EMT course uh, on the weekends there. So I spent uh, 16 hours every weekend uh, in uh, in class or, or doing clinicals or such uh, in addition to my, my course load. So uh, when I came home on vacations, I was part of the, uh, the local volunteer fire department there in Xenia. And uh, so uh, I stayed with that, and I'd come and go from that during college. And, and when I came home, uh, I was looking for a job because it was that period of time where uh, the job market had tanked. So they couldn't, you know, there really weren't that many positions for fire engineers that were out there. And I tried to get jobs and, you know, with, like, American Electric Power and a few other places uh, out of Columbus. But, you know, they were they weren't really hiring. So uh, I started working for a private ambulance company, and my decision to become a paramedic at that point was purely financial, uh, because the paramedics, you know, they were the guys that were in management. They were the guys that uh, that obviously made more money, you know, not not much, but but more than more than what I was making at the time. So I went to paramedic school, and uh, I went to uh, Grant uh, Medical Center. Uh, their in outreach Columbus? program, yes, in Columbus, and uh, I finished there in August of 2007, and then I was hired by Memphis in December of 2007 and started in January of 08, and I've been here ever since. So you're so you're so you I mean, you grew up in Xenia. You you didn't uh, you're not from you know, Memphis or Tennessee or, or anywhere down there, are you? 
Oh, no, this is totally foreign to me. No, it was when I moved down here. Wow. Well, was that always kind of the plan to leave the state or to start over or, I mean, to, to start new? Or, or well, I kind of had that was just the opportunity that came up. It was the opportunity that came up. Um, you know, there were there. It was a it was a period of time that I call the mass migration because Ohio is is oversaturated with paramedics. I mean, they train more than they have jobs for. So I, see. I ended up, you know, having to find a job somewhere, and this was one of the ones that came up. So here I am. And <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a I'm a firefighter paramedic in one of the most dangerous cities in America. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what, what makes it so dangerous? Mm, um, they say the murder rate here is pretty high. Uh, if you've ever watched uh, the first Forty Eight, uh, they have a lot of a lot of their early shows started in Memphis because not only do we have a high murder rate, but we also have a high solve rate. Like they they solve those uh, they solve the homicide cases pretty quickly. So they wanted to go someplace where they would really solve cases in the first 48 hours. So a lot of their <laughs> earlier stories came from Memphis, and and the police department thought that they were uh, projecting them in a negative light in some cases. So now the first 48 hours not over anymore. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, well, but before we get before we get to, to the story that, that you're going through now, uh, in, in kind of our – our, our, our pre-chat session. Um, right. Uh, one of the, the curious things that came up was that this was not the first occasion uh, where your family doctor or your primary care doctor kind of steered you um, in the right direction, and uh, it also involved surgery. So can you share that uh, earlier story uh, when you were uh, pretty young, I believe? Yeah. Uh, when I was uh, 16, I started having uh, gastrointestinal problems. I started having you know stomach problems. And my physician at first thought that it may have been uh, gastritis, so he was treating the symptoms, uh, you know, with with uh, antacid medications and stuff that would, you know, keep me from producing as much stomach acid while it was, you know, having a hard time evacuating that area. So he uh, he treated the symptoms for a while, and you know they went away, and then they they came back. So. He started really digging into my family history and uh, discovered that my sister had had her gallbladder removed and that my mother was having persistent you know, stomach pains. So he ordered an ultrasound and, a, uh, and an GI series, which, I, which is, I guess, standard when you're looking at, for stomach problems. And they found uh, quarter-size gallstones. So he ended up referring me on to a general surgeon, and they did a laparoscopic surgery to to handle that. And I was I was eighteen. I had just turned eighteen uh, when I had the surgery. The first one. And uh, just, so just to let people know, I mean, you know, uh, you know, gallbladder having gallbladder problems is not very common. You know, that young, um, it's, uh, except if you have some kind of family history, and 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 you know, and you at the time. You know, you're like, oh, it's probably just a stomach type of thing. I just want to get some medicine and, and help get it cleared up is probably what you're thinking at this point. Oh, yeah. yeah. I never thought that it would have led to uh, to uh, a surgical issue. Um, 
so yeah, so uh, a, a nice uh, uh, early experience, you know, with your primary care doctor, with your family doctor. Let's. Uh, why don't we just kind of fast forward uh, a little bit to just in the past, you know, three or four weeks. Um, and I just want to let people know, and I'll put this in the chat room too, that uh, you talk about this on your blog, uh, uh, hybridmedic.com, and uh, the, the blog post is called uh, uh, My Week as a Patient. Um, so take us about to a month ago or four or five weeks ago and, and, and start your story from there. Uh, yeah, I started uh... – I, I had some some you know kind of very I guess diffuse would be the word uh, kind of pain in my in my left testicle, and I noticed that there was a you know kind of a, a small change in in mass. It felt like it was swollen, but I mean it wasn't it wasn't too bad. So I kind of let it go for a couple of days, and then and the symptoms kind of started to fall off, and uh, swelling didn't quite leave, but the pain left. I mean it was no longer painful at all. So I thought, you know, maybe whatever it had, whatever it had been, had resolved, and it was it stayed gone for about a, you know about a week and a half or two weeks, and then it, it came back. I mean, it was like with a vengeance. I mean, it felt like uh, it felt like I was being repeatedly kicked, you know, in an area that a man should not be kicked in. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, this was this was like a you know a pain that you probably have never felt, you know, before. Yeah, it was. It was definitely. It was. It was. It felt like being in. It was in a vice, and it was just getting you know worse. So it was. It, I decided at that point, you know, I need to see a doctor. I need to see someone. And uh, what? Why I didn't go to the doctor sooner, and I wish I had, is that uh, is that my the family doctor that I first had when I moved down here. You know, they kind of ran their office like it was a uh, like it was an urgent care. And, you know, I'd have an appointment for 3 o'clock, but I wouldn't be, you know, even called back until nearly 5 because they would take other people ahead of people that had scheduled appointments. So that kind of really, you know, turned me off to the to the desire to seek any care at that point because right. the, it was going to be, you know, a forever wait. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel like – I felt like if I had an appointment, I should have been in there at my appointed time as opposed to – Waiting forever, but you know that's my end of that story. Uh, so I went to a doctor that was much closer to me, and the hospital system that I ended up going into, which was uh, St. Francis Bartlett, uh, which is uh, Bartlett is a suburb of Memphis, and I live, I also live in a suburb of Memphis, kind of. And uh, so they had just opened a family practice office, uh, literally at the end of my street where there's a in, in a small shopping complex. So I decided since they were a lot closer and they probably weren't that busy, that's where I would go. So I went down there and and I walked in and and told them what was wrong and I I filled out all the standard insurance paperwork and past medical history and I went right in and was seen like by by the doctor within about you know 15 or 20 minutes or so of waiting. And, uh, you know, I'd been triaged by the, the, the staff, the office staff there prior to. And she came in and, and did the full assessment from top to bottom and then really focused in on what problems it was. And and she started – she kind of started with the things that she could have handled first, like uh, like an infection or things like that. Uh, she started there. She You know, she palpated 
you know, the the area around the groin for, for swollen lymph nodes there, and she checked for a hernia, and it wasn't any of those things. And, and she kind of got a little bit more concerned in my eye at that point where she had, you know, she was obvious in her mind that she had gotten to the point where she couldn't handle whatever it was that was causing this pain. She couldn't handle it anymore. So she placed, she she had, uh, she get, I left with a written order for an ultrasound and a prescription for a, a, an antibiotic for a, an upper respiratory infection I was also having at the time. And... Yeah. uh so yeah, she took care of one thing but and referred me on for another. And uh I was into the imaging center. I had an appointment with at the imaging center within three hours of of uh you know, the appointment was for three hours after I left the office. So it was the same day at the imaging center. So I went to the imaging center and uh they you know, they had me in and out for the ultrasound and uh and uh, she had the results in her hand by the end, by the end of the day. And also, when I was leaving the uh, the imaging center, they had already scheduled my urology visit. With so they had they had pretty much taken care of every of every problem that they could handle up to that point, including even you know finding a, a, a referring physician to to take the case, and uh, and getting all the the uh, initial imaging stuff done. So they had they had really uh, set me up for success right there. Now, I mean, you're, I mean, you you you're you uh, you have some medical training, you know, and, and and you kind of you know have an idea of of what's going on, you know, as you're having this ultrasound and as you're getting this phone call, you know, before you see the specialist, you know, kind of what's going through your mind? Are you just like this is what I need to do? Or are you like? You know, are, are you scared? Are you concerned? Or are you saying, "Hey, this is a big bunch of nothing"? Kind of what's going through your mind at this point? Um, well, usually, when whenever anybody, whenever they schedule imaging like that, it, it usually means that they're looking for something. You know, the I, I I've kind of developed something in my mind that that the more imaging they do, the more serious it is. So. If she was ordering, if she was ordering, you know, imaging, and she said when she called back with the results that they may order a CT scan, I figured, oh, this might be serious. If they're gonna, if they, if they're going to expend, you know, that much effort for a CT scan, then this is, you know, this might be getting serious. And but I was, you know, still hoping that maybe it was something that the urologist could say, hey, this isn't a big deal. But you know, I was, I was kind of starting to think, you know. This, you know, this might be a little bit more serious than what I thought it was. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, your wife. I think you shared that your wife's a nurse, and and yes. uh, you know, she's going through this with you. What, what, what was, what did she think as this was going on, or that she shared with you, or did was she, you know, concerned as well, or was she just like, this is what we got to do at this point, or? Uh, yeah, she's she was concerned, but she was, you know, she's she has confidence in me, you know, at least so far to the point that I'm going to do what I need to do, you know, uh, to to whatever they recommend to to fix it. And if imaging, you know, the first step was imaging, then that's what that's what we what I would do, and you know, and and going to a urologist, that's what they told me to do next. So, you know, I was. 
you know, I was sharing with her that you know, I don't know what this is, and neither do they, and I'm going to go to a urologist, and she just, you know, she had that 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 look of concern on her face, but she didn't, you know, she didn't think, you know, she so she she didn't think that it was going to be as uh, you know what it was. Mm, okay. Um, okay. Um, my guest on the line here is uh, Russell Stein. He's uh, also uh, known as Hybrid Medic um, on Twitter, also HybridMedic.com. Uh, and uh, the, the next part of the story is, is going to the specialist, going to the uh, urologist. And uh, I, I think your family doctor told you at the time going in you know, that they may want to do more testing, they may want to do a biopsy, they may want to do surgery. Kind of take us through um, – uh, your uh, specialist visit through your your urologist uh, visit there. What they what they talked about with you? Um, sure. Uh, the uh, I visited the urologist. See, uh, the symptoms started on Monday, and then I had a, a severe pickup in pain, along with a lot of uh, a lot of swelling on Tuesday. Uh, you know, Monday going into Tuesday. So. I was starting to get a little bit more concerned at this point that whatever it is, it's getting worse. So I was kind of hoping that, you know, at this point, that with the pain being as it was, I was going to get there. And, and I was starting to get a little bit more concerned. So when I went to the urologist, I was, you know, I wasn't expecting necessarily to hear what he said, but I understood the logic behind it. And he had the he had the, the ultrasound uh, report in his hand in the folder, and uh, he kind of had that that great that look of great concern on his face. You know, when you you open up something and it's like, and, and you get that look like, oh, this isn't going to be a good day. Uh, he uh, he kind of knew he kind of knew before he said anything. Yeah, he 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 pretty much looked at it and said uh, he he didn't even really have to do an exam. Uh, but he did. He did kind of a focused exam on, on what the problem was, and he said, "Yeah, he said you're going to need surgery like tomorrow." He said this. He said this. There is a very short list of things that this could not be. He said, but there's a very long list of things uh, that this could be, and they're all cancer. Wow. So he he said it's very unlikely. He said it's very unlikely that this isn't cancer. He said, and even if it wasn't, he said we're gonna, we would go in and take it out anyway. He said because what we tell our our residents is that we never let the sun set on the testicular mass. Is a, if, if there's a mass in there, he said more than likely it's cancer. He's like we're just going to go in and get it and let the pathologists look at it later. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he pretty much shuttled me from the you know this might not be that bad mentality to. Uh, this is something very, very serious kind of mentality, really quick. Uh, and, and you, you were set up for the next day, and uh, um, you know, kind of reading your blog post there in our discussions beforehand, uh, your, your your spirits were still pre- pretty much, you know, up. You're optimistic. You're, you're you're cracking jokes, you know, even before surgery, and it seemed like you were in pretty good spirits uh, even going into to the uh, to the operating room. Yeah, I, I had the. Uh... I had taken the mental mindset that, you know, whatever needs to be done to fix this and to make this not hurt anymore needs to be done. And if that's what – and if and if this is what needs to be done, then this is what needs to be done. So I was – you know, I was I – had, I had a positive attitude, and I didn't go in there and, you know, and be – you know, 
know, upset when he broke the news. I, I kind of, you know, was already ready for whatever he was going to say that it, it you know, you know, and it was all going to lead to surgery. So, you know, I was in there with the with the mindset that, you know, this needs to be fixed, whatever it is. So let's let's go ahead and do it as quickly as we can. And that was that was what happened. I was scheduled for the next day, and they, I had a, I had a, I had uh, had blood draws for two markers at the urologist's office. And then within an hour of being home, like within the next hour and a half, I had a phone call from the hospital uh, asking me my uh, past medical history, so that they could uh, set everything up for the next day. So everything. So, so they, they they were starting the paperwork. I mean, they they were on the ball efficiency wise and getting you ready uh, for surgery the very next day. Oh yes, they they were very, you know, they were very efficient. And uh, that's that's probably the best word is that they they hurried they they didn't necessarily hurry through this process but they you know they did everything that they needed to do beforehand within a very short amount of time and they were really good at it so uh, that was that was kind of coming that that everybody knew what they were doing and, and everybody was was doing it and, and that's that was another comforting thing other than you know we need to get this fixed. No, I mean, you, you know, you being a paramedic, um, you know, sometimes you, you have to go out there during in your job and, and help people with their breathing and, and put a tube down their throat and and uh, you know, to help them breathe. And, and I remember you talking about uh, when when you're kind of in the what you say the uh, on deck circle or or, or getting ready. Uh, they, you had a little uh, look or a little conversation with the anesthesiologist there and uh, about uh, <laughs> about measuring you up as far as your throat goes. Oh yeah, uh, I went in there and, and I kind of joked around with the uh, with the nurses uh, that were starting the IV at first uh, because one of them worked in the emergency room. I didn't recognize her, but I would today. And uh, about missing an IV and stuff like that. And then when I went to the nurse anesthetist uh, who came back and, and gave me uh, some Zofran and and was starting to to do his thing before surgery to to maintain my airway while I was under. They, uh, he did, uh, he checked my Malapati score, which is how difficult of an innovation I would be, and he seemed kind of surprised that I knew that. That that when I right. when I asked him that, he was like, "How do you know that?" I was like, "Well, you know, I kind of do it to people sometimes because you know if I have to innovate them, I kind of need to know." And so we got kind of a, a conversation going there, and I kind of prodded my wife because that was. That's not quite what she wants to do, but it, it's it's close to it. So I was kind of prodding her to, you know, ask more questions or or something like that, which she kind of didn't. But either way, I was, you know, I was, you know, joking around with them. And and then when I went into surgery, when I went into the surgery uh, suite before they uh, before they uh, uh, put me under completely, they had given me bursed. So I had like. Three, three or five minutes before the Zert, the the I almost said Zertek, the uh, the Versa <laughs> took, <laughs> the uh, the Versa took effect, and uh, we uh, I was kind of telling I kind of laid down the ground rules and and before surgery, I uh, uh, and and with the gallbladder as well I always try to crack a joke or something, 
you know, just to just to because you know sometimes in surgery in surgery suites there's a lot of you know there's a lot of tension or everyone's like you know everyone you know they're all professionals but if they're they're like me even on a even on you know the most routine of cases sometimes you know you get a little like uh, I don't know how this is going to go kind of thing. So I right. try to crack a joke and I try to crack a joke and and break the tension a little bit and. Uh, when I was uh, when I had my gallbladder removed, I, I cracked a joke with the surgeon, uh, saying, "Use the force, Luke." <laughs> he had that. He was kind of pacing back and forth in the surgery suite, so it was. Uh, so I looked at him and said, uh, "Use the force, Luke," and everybody kind of laughed. And then uh, I went under from the anesthesia. And then this time, I, I had enough time to lay down ground rules. I told them. Not to sew up anything that shouldn't have already, that shouldn't be sewn up, which is uh, if you've seen City Slickers, Billy Crystal, and that's what he tells him after he gets gored by a bull in Sevilla, is don't <laughs> sew anything that's not supposed to be sewn up. And then uh, I said, don't leave anything in there, referring to whatever tools they were going to use. And then there was right. uh, then there was don't take out more than you have to. Right, right. So yeah. I'd, uh, and and I kind of was, and I kind of made a joke beforehand that there was a there was a it reminded me of an episode of uh, Married with Children where they uh, they Al Bundy's doctor had written in the order to make a circular incision well they performed a circumcision instead so uh, I oh, I okay. kind of made that I kind of made that joke and and they and everybody kind of got it because sometimes they you know. Documented, you know, surgical mistakes are, you know, caused by certain, you know, inability to read handwriting or or the surgeon marking the wrong place or not marking the mark the wrong place at, or not marking the right place at all. He, uh, it was kind of that. That was kind of a joke that I, a surgery joke that I made that some people got and other people <laughs> kind of looked at me like, why would you bring that up? But <laughs> and and and, uh, and, and then on the. the uh, yeah, go ahead. But uh, once the verse that took hold, it was like a light switch. I was out and then woke up in recovery, and kind of kind of debated with the nurse about the usefulness of my non-rebreather mask. <laughs> yeah, because you, cause your experience with that in your job and uh, uh, and uh, <laughs> you're saying before is that I mean it's you know it, it's really hard to talk to somebody when you have the mask on and. Uh, um, I think you were saying that uh, you know you were either trying to talk to the nurse or you're taking it off trying to talk to the nurse, but they wanted you to keep the mask on. Yeah, and uh, my wife actually, my wife actually kind of slapped me on the shoulder for that because she uh, she spent some time in like PACU, like post anesthesia recovery units and stuff like that, and uh, she works in the ICU one at one of the hospitals here in Memphis. And uh, she said, "Yeah, the reason they do that is because they don't want you to desat after you wake up. Because if you're, because with you still being respiratory depressed, you know they you're not going to breathe as fast, so you're going to desat. And like, and so that's why they put the mask on. I'm like, why? I was talking just fine. There wasn't. She said, and then, and then my wife and the nurse, you know, kind of both said the same thing that uh, you need to leave it on. <laughs> so." <laughs> That's that's kind of the downside of that's kind of the downside of being married to a nurse is that she always has an answer that trumps yours. Right, yeah, right. My <laughs> um, guest on the line here is uh, Russell Stein, also known as uh, Hybrid Medic on Twitter. Also, Hybrid 
medic.com. Uh, and uh, so at this point, um, uh, you're at the point where they are doing blood tests. They're trying to um, see how the cancer is doing in your system. Uh, they're tracking tumor markers um, to see if they're coming down to kind of uh, figure out or determine what your next treatment step is at this point. Is that right? Right. Uh, after I had the Tuesday after my uh, my surgery, I was in to the oncologist for a follow up. And since we didn't know any, uh, since we didn't know any oncologists, I hope I said urologist, but uh, the urologist, you know, asked us if we knew any oncologists. So obviously we don't, because we don't know. You know, we're transplants here essentially, and we don't know, you know, any of the doctors Anybody. or. Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh and uh he said he sent me down to somebody that he trained with uh who was in the same building uh on a floor below him, like directly below him. So he he called him he called the the uh the oncologist's office up on his cell phone and said uh you know, they they answered and asked if he could please hold and he said, "No, this is uh this is Dr. Smith. I want to talk to Dr. Walsh." And they said, "Oh, okay." And, and uh, you know, handed the phone off, and he kind of – I said, well, that was very direct, and he answered back. He's like, I don't do the whole waiting thing. So I was – I that was my referral to an oncologist was was when uh, he, he called the oncologist on his cell phone and then uh, sent me downstairs for uh, for my first follow – my first visit with an oncologist uh, that same day, like within the hour. So – Wow. I uh wow. yeah, I, I had a very quick quick referral to to uh to an oncologist and and uh you know, they basically laid out that, you know, we're gonna do more labs and more labs and more labs and every time I go there they they draw blood. Uh so they uh they you know, they accurately they check my tumor markers. Uh, and right now my beta H C D is uh leveled down to normal which is like less than 5 I think and then my uh they said that my uh alpha feeder protein which is AFP uh they say it halves itself every time it comes in and the first time I was there was like uh 175 180 you know and now it's and then it was uh 75 now it's 30 uh in the 30 range I think he said it was like 32 and he wanted to make sure uh, with the next couple weeks, that it falls down to below 15, which is considered normal. And uh, if it falls down below 15, I won't need chemotherapy. Uh, but he's still concerned about like the the pathologist report came back, the full report, and they found two uh, percent of a of a of the tumor that they examined was uh, teratoma, which is a very slow growing uh, type of tumor. But uh, generally, it's benign. But he said that because where it's at, where it could be, uh, it could be dangerous because it could spread to the rest of the system and then degrade into another type of tumor, and then we would be in more trouble. So we're going to wait. He consulted with – we picked a hospital that if we needed to have uh, the surgery to remove the lymph nodes, which is called – the particular surgery is RPLND or a – retroperitoneal lymph node dissection. Uh, we picked uh, Indiana University in Indianapolis to do that one because they 
between them and Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York, I think they see more more of those cases than than any other hospital that does those type of surgeries. And they're also a center of excellence, so that kind of feeds into it as well. And uh, they said, let's – Which months. one was uh, – or is it was the uh, Lance Armstrong uh, Hospital that you mentioned? Uh, oh, he went to uh, he went to Indiana University. So that also played into my decision that, you know, we need to go someplace that's – go someplace that's well-trusted by a lot of people, and that was kind of part that played into it. I so, see. So, you know, they said, wait two months, and we'll get another CT scan, and we'll see what happens. So now we're in the uh, – we're in surveillance or uh, watching and waiting. So you've been off work this whole time. What what uh, what have you been doing with yourself? Um, sitting at home and reading books and playing on the internet, obviously. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go back to work. And they uh, they actually both the oncologist and the urologist cleared me to go back to go back to work on Tuesday. So. And everything very, is uh, healed up from a surgical standpoint, and and has the discomfort from the surgery, anything you know residual, any any pain that's left from that, or is it all gone? Um, it's a little sore. I mean, and they they had to cut through the muscle to get there. I mean, it's a little sore, but it's it's pretty well healed. I can I can lift uh, pretty much uh, uh, the full weight uh, that I could beforehand. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go back, and 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 I'm I'm. I'm just about 100%, so I'm just I'm just going to get back into it. I, I've been sitting at home. I feel like I've been sitting at home for far too long, and it's starting to drive me crazy. <laughs> My um, guest on the line here is uh, Russell Stein, also known as uh, Hybrid Medic, hybridmedic.com, and Hybrid Medic on Twitter, firefighter and paramedic from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, so as we're kind of starting to, to come to, to the end of our chat here, um, uh, one of the curious things is um, that you, know, you wrote a blog post about this, and it's titled My Week as a Patient. Obviously, you're a patient uh, going through this, but uh, it's also interesting because you have medical training that you know life from the other side. Um, as you were going through this diagnostic and kind of treatment process, um, did, did some of that knowledge, uh, you know, did that scare you? Did you feel like you, you know, that you knew a little bit and that you were dangerous, or, or did your knowledge kind of comfort you as you're going through this kind of um, unknown or diagnostic and treatment process? Um, well, from from previous experience and 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 current, you know, current knowledge is that is uh, I I felt a little bit comforted by it. Uh, I knew what they were. Uh, I knew what they were doing, uh, particularly with the ultrasound. I knew how that would go. Uh, I'm glad they didn't make me do a barium swallow because that is, ugh, <laughs> that's that's literally like having metal in the bottom of your stomach. But uh, it was it was comforting to know uh, what they were doing at, at each phase, and uh, and you know to know, you know to have a little bit of knowledge about you know what they were going to do in the surgery suite and and how things. Uh, proceeded there a little bit, knew a little bit about anesthesia. Uh, I knew a little bit about uh, about the the surgical techniques they were going to use, the kind of equipment they were going to use, and and it was it was good to know uh, uh, you know some of that stuff on, on what exactly they were going to do, and you know, and, and I didn't have to ask as many questions. 
you know, and I have, of course, you know, and the family physician, the family doctor, and, and uh, you know, the show and my blog, you know, uh, really try to outline that. And and uh, uh, one of the things that uh, um, I think that you wanted to reach out to me and say was kind of the impact of your primary care doctor and your family physician in this whole entire process. Um, what, what do you want people to know from your story? Because you're, you're a guy that's younger than me that's diagnosed with cancer, um, and you know that's something that is usually not found. Um, you know, just kind of early. Uh, what, what do you want people to know? You know about your story, the lessons of the story, and especially how how, will, how family medicine and how primary care impacted that. Well. Uh, we have there's a saying in the fire service that the the first five minutes make the next five hours, and uh, and my family physician, uh, Doctor her, her name's uh, Doctor Tisdale, she uh, she in, in the first five minutes was able to you know quickly realize that this was going beyond uh, her scope and, and resources to handle immediately. So she made you know she set up everything that happened. You know, for the next week, you know, right up until uh, I went to the, to the specialist, is that you know she, she did you know she assessed it properly. You know, she from what I could tell and from my limited knowledge of books written in crayon, essentially, is that uh, <laughs> is that uh, they uh, she she uh, you know quickly assessed what you know what it could be, and she figured out what it wasn't. Uh, you know, and it was something that she couldn't handle, and you know, made the made the right call for uh, in my eye to uh, to uh, uh, a higher level, which was the specialist, and even she even set up and made the specialist job easier by uh, by arranging an ultrasound ahead of time because she you know explained the logic to me, which really wasn't necessary that she. You know, if she sent me directly to a urologist, all he was going to do was order an ultrasound before, you know, making any more decisions or, or scheduling anything. So she went ahead and scheduled the ultra and ordered the ultrasound herself and then had those results sent on to, you know, they sent her results and then she also had some sent to the, uh, to the, uh, to the urologist. So she, you know, set up that whole chain right up until the moment the urologist said we need to we need to do surgery. So you know, it it was it was it, it simplified the whole from my aspect that I didn't she didn't say well you need to have an ultrasound so you know call this place and schedule this and then you need to find a urologist you know that she she genuinely had my my best interest in mind. As I as I think that all primary care physicians should, and all physicians in general, as and all the way down, is that she, you know, she she picked the the best people to do the job that needed to be done at the time. You know, she 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 referred me on to to imaging, and then sent me to a urologist. I didn't have to pick one. She just, you know, picked one. You know, that was. You know, through the, you know, first through the hospital system, but you know, and he's a from what I've read is he's a good urologist too. He's probably one of the better ones in their system. So, you know, she picked she had my best interest in mind by just picking by picking a urologist that she knew would be able to do the job, and setting him up to be able to do his job later on, which was the surgical intervention. So she, you know, it was very important for her, 
you know, if, you know, from her, from my aspect of her job is that she set up pretty much everything right up until surgery, and that, you know, that was very much appreciated, you know, both on my end and both from the urologist too. And he even he even gave her a phone call after I left the office to to thank her for doing all of that because it, you know, that's she's I guess she's very new in family practice, and it was you know caught it. She essentially caught it and moved it up the chain to to what was you know to what was going to fix it, you know, within a very short amount of time and he he's like I actually need to thank her about this. This is all, you know, very important to get done early. So she she made a definite impact on uh on everything that needed to be done quickly. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, 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 is care coordination and continuity and follow-up, and, and uh, you know, a lot of that is, is kind of the, the core of, of what of what uh, family medicine, what, what primary care is. So um, uh, my, my last question for you here is, uh, you know, I, I, the, 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 the social media connection is just uh, something that really interests me, and, and you and I met you know, over Twitter and Facebook and, and doing social media things. You met in person um, uh, earlier this year um, in uh, Baltimore at uh, EMS Expo. Uh, and I, I've just been seeing over the past three or four weeks the, the outpouring of support, um, especially from the EMS community, um, about your condition, about your treatment. Uh, can you share a little bit about, you know, what, uh, you, know, what, you know, what kind of support that you've been receiving, especially from the EMS community over the past uh, few weeks? And uh, it's been much appreciated, and 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 uh, and extremely. Uh, I'll say uh, it comes well, it comes from a lot of different places, and people that people that I've never met before, people that I've never you know never even heard of, you know have have read the blog and have you know expressed, you know, uh, you know that's you know well wishes. You know, extended prayers and and well wishes and everything. You know, to somebody they've never even met, and that's kind of that's kind of like the power of, of of social media is that you you can impact the lives of other people. You know, without without really having to know them, and and at a time, you know, and and uh, you know, I was pretty I'm pretty jovial about most things, and and it didn't really it it, it didn't really affect me until reality set in later. That, that this is actually happening, but but it was to to have to have well wishes from so many people was 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 very very much appreciated to you know for me and my family and 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 we we really do appreciate it. Wish we could send everybody a thank you card, but we just some people we just don't even know, and uh, and and even just by me you know talking about this. In a in in this way is, has opened up the door for other people to to come and and, and to me sometimes and, and other places about about their condition away from you know because other people are experiencing this thing this is a, this is a very rare type of cancer I mean they only diagnose about six or eight thousand cases a year of this and you know this it's hard to find other people within your within your your immediate group of, of of friends and family that have had it. So, uh, reaching out, you know, by uh, by a forum, by you know, posting it on a blog or 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 tweeting about it or or putting it on Facebook is 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 a way to reach out to those people that are out there 
and, and and you know you can draw support from a whole another community. You know, there there are other there are social rings for just about everything, and and, and testicular cancer is is one of those you know groups, and, and you know the power of social media can connect you to those people. So don't think that you're going through it alone just because nobody around you has experienced it. You know, odds are that there's somebody out there that that if you just if you go looking for it, you'll find it. Uh, also, Stein, I, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on the show and, uh, and sharing your story. Thank you for reaching out to me and and, uh, and wanting to share share the story, uh, especially with with my audience and the people that read my blog and, and listen to the show here. Uh, where, where can people find you uh, out there on the internet to to read more about you and learn more about you? Um, I am at hybridmedic.com which is the blog. Uh, it's hosted by the EMS Blogs Network. Uh, I am also on Twitter that anybody can follow me, uh, at HybridMedic. Um, I think anybody can see my tweets. I don't think they're, they're protected. Uh, and uh, I'm also on Facebook, uh, HybridMedic. That's two words. Uh, and the only reason I do that is because, Facebook, is because everywhere else won't let me put the space in there. But uh, hybrid medic, two words, uh, like my Facebook page. So that's uh, that's where people can find me, and, and I'm uh, around quite a bit, and, and I get it all on my cell phone, so I'm never out of touch. <laughs> so great, great. Um, I just want to say, you know, good luck. You know, I mean, I know you're going to beat this. Um, and, you know, it sounds like you have things planned out as far as option A and option B and option C, whatever the uh, possibilities are. It sounds like the team that you're working with, the physicians and oncologists, and, and uh, um, you know, they're, they're guiding you through this uh, process here. Um, and it sounds like, you know, you have a great support system. Your wife is, is a nurse and, and has also been a great support system for you, too. So, so uh, I, I know you're going to get through this. Well, I appreciate it. Um, so uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, and we'll, we'll see you out there on Twitter, uh, hybridmedic.com, hi, at uh, hybridmedic on Twitter. Thank you so much uh, for the time, and we'll talk real soon. Hey, no problem. I'll uh, I'll chat with you later. Okay. All right, kids. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, such a, uh, a, a, a incredible uh, story there, and um, I want I want to thank uh, Russell for for uh, coming up uh, coming on the show here. Um, what I'll do is uh, I'm going to end the show early, even though that I do have some scheduled time here at the end of the show. I'm going to end the show early. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if anybody out there is uh, wants to hang out on the UStream um, at all. Uh, so right after the show here, I'm going to. Uh, try my uh, Ustream page here and uh, see if anybody wants to chat over there. So uh, just look out on my Twitter page there, and I'm going to try uh, Ustream here right after the uh, show. Thanks again to my guest, uh, Russell Stein, uh, paramedic and uh, firefighter from Memphis, Tennessee. He's also known as Hybrid Medic on Twitter, also hybridmedic.com. Uh, and uh, next week, uh, very excited, uh, recorded an interview today with Dr. Jay Lee, He's a family physician uh, from uh, California. We recorded the interview t- today uh, while he was at his California Academy of Family Physicians annual scientific assembly. So we have a lot to talk about during that uh, interview, especially when it comes to family medicine and 
social media. So uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us uh, tonight. My name is Mike Sevilla. Uh, check out my uh, stuff. <laughs> Joke, whatever. Uh, FamilyMedicineRocks.com. And uh, I will going to try to do this Ustream thing right after we go off the show here. So um, uh, let me go to get this song and uh, get things going here. So uh, good night from Northeastern Ohio. Have a great week. And we'll talk to you very soon. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Remember to let her into your heart. Then you can start to make it better. Yeah.